You are listening to Big Trouble in Little Podcast. And here are your hosts, Joe Dove and Andy. peeps and welcome to a, this edition of big trouble little podcast episode 67 i am joe dubs and i'm andy and we are here at the finale of planet of the apes where we're going to be discussing and probably debating what will be the main list from one through nine uh we already have some set in stone already because we already have the same movies in the same place but we will still be talking about them and yeah um andy what the hell you been playing we're watching <laughs> playing i've not been playing anything so it's a good thing i don't have to answer that but i've watched a bunch of movies it looks like i've watched more than i actually have just because two of them have super long titles but mm-hmm. uh cool hand luke is on netflix now so i had to watch that i put it on thinking i was gonna like fold laundry and unload the dishwasher and do some other chores, but God damn it, Cool Hand Luke is just such a good movie. I just sat there and stared at it and watched it. Um, I watched Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Cart in the Land of Demons, and Lone Wolf and Cub, White Heaven and Hell, which is the Lone Wolf and Cub movies numbers five and six. Both are pretty good, but I didn't like them as much as I liked one and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, which is uh, Michael Cimino's directorial debut starring... Um, uh, Clint Eastwood and Jeff Bridges. It was really good. Um, there's a new half hour special. Uh, Netflix has this new policy where like anything goes, and they're just putting stuff up now. Like, you know, the length doesn't matter or whatever. The unauthorized Bash Brothers experience presented by Lonely Island. It's it's a half hour long, and it's just like <laughs> a musical about um, Mark McGuire and uh, um, Jose Canseco, who played for the A's in the late 80s. And it's really funny. It's worth watching. It's only half hour long. I laughed. Um, I watched Metallica, Some Kind of Monster, the documentary about Metallica when they were making St. Anger. I'd never seen it before. It was really interesting. Uh, I watched The Water Boy. What's The Water Boy? What do you want me to say about it? <laughs> Some mystery science theater. Um, I watched Casablanca with some friends. It's a classic. I don't. You know, what can I say about Casablanca that hasn't already been said? The movie's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched The Elephant Man, which was the last uh, David Lynch theatrical release that I had to see. I've seen everything David Lynch has ever put into the theaters now, which is kind of neat. Um, was it good? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, it's it's just man that. The the subject matter itself isn't like I mean it's a little unsettling but it's not spooky or anything but the way that he directs it the whole movie just like kind of sets you at ill ease mm-hmm. uh, it's it's he's he's a really good director and it's a really interesting movie and the acting in it is just out of this world uh, uh, John Hurt and uh, Anthony Hopkins are like the best um, then I watched Charade it's uh it, seems like it would be a Hitchcock movie, but it was not directed by Hitchcock. It was directed by someone else whose name I don't remember, but it's uh, Cary Grant and um, 
what's her name? Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. And it's like a thriller, and they're trying to find some money that was stolen from the U.S. government, and blah, blah, blah. And James Coburn's in it, as is uh, Walter Matthau. It's really good. And then I watched Walk Cheerfully, which is a silent movie from Japan in 1930, directed by uh, Yasuhiro Ozu. It was also pretty good. The first act was a little boring, but what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I watched a shitload of stuff. <laughs> I watched one movie. Um, I went on Amazon Prime, and I was like, I want to watch something that is not popular, but also had good reviews. Never trust any good reviews on Amazon, because this... This movie was uh, okay. It was copying a lot of like other shit, like Jericho the TV show. Uh, there was a lot of like similarities and stuff. But pretty much, a nuke goes off, or a couple of nukes go off in the United States, and a group of people hide in the basement. And pretty much, they all go through uh, radiation poisoning, and that's the movie. <laughs> wow. That sounds awful. Yeah, and they had the uh, kid from Terminator Two. John Connor in there, huh. and he was just terrible actor. So I don't recommend it. It's on there. Uh, yeah, and that's all I watch. And I wrote that's it <laughs> on my list because I didn't watch any other movie. I was too sleepy and stuff. All week you were too sleepy. All week, and I was waiting for that Dutch Stranding trailer. But that's, but that's video games. I mean, it could be a movie. It's Kojima. Yeah, I mean, it probably will share a lot of similarities with movies. I mean, mm. it's using real-life actors, so... And real-life directors, for some reason? That's weird. Yep. But Del Toro it... has been an actor, though. He was in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then... Uh, you have Tommy Earl Jones. You have Mads Mikkelsen. You have Norman Reedus. It's pretty much a movie. <laughs> But let's move on to our Planet of the Apes wrap-up show, where we are going to discuss on the final list of the ranking. So do, do we want to start off at number nine? Do we, do we need to say why Tim Burton movie is bad? And needs yeah, we, we, we'll retread this old ground just to, I mean, we'll lay the foundation because we can agree that a foundation is made up of of Planet of the Apes, 2001, director Tim Burton. Um, yeah, we already talked ad nauseum about how maybe it wasn't the movie's fault. It was made, what was it, 80 days? And it was it was weeks ago when we talked about it. But it was made, like, super quick and blah, blah. Um, it shows. It's awful. And it's far and away, like, like it is awful. And then number eight is, like, number eight, that sucks. But it is, number eight is way better than number nine. I mean, that movie is just disaster mm-hmm. well it, it had a good cast and then it tried to like hit the same well uh, let me let me rephrase that it was a good cast and then it had mark Wahlberg <laughs> in it mm-hmm. and then, mark Wahlberg was okay but this was like his early work so he wasn't that good yet and then i'm still saying that he's not a good actor uh he's a mediocre actor at best He's good at yelling. Mm-hmm. He's good at being angry. Like, you know, look at him in The Departed. He's pissed off that entire movie. He's great in there. <laughs> he's a prick that whole movie, too. But, hey. you know, he's not a major part. He's also in Four Brothers. He was, he was okay in that. 
Um, it it just felt weird. I don't know how to explain it. It just it 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 had no good pacing, and the only good thing about it was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> And yeah, Tim Burton. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think he should do a Planet of the Apes movie, <laughs> but he did, and that's why it's at number nine. I don't think Tim Burton should do a lot of movies, but I guess that's another conversation. Really, that's in the minority, because I I don't like his movies either. I, I haven't liked anything he's made. I think I said this when we were talking about the movie before, so sorry for retreading old Graham, but I haven't liked anything he's made since um, Big Fish. That was probably the last one. Well, he did the Batman movies, right? Yeah, but that was 89, and when did Batman Returns come out? 90, 91, something like that. So, you know, that was a long time ago. Edward Scissorhands... Um, Beetlejuice, stuff like that. Of course, those movies are, are classics. I like those movies. I'm not saying I hate Tim Burton. I just don't think he can make good movies anymore. He's got like this weird style he wants to do them in, and it just it's boring and it sucks and I hate it. Mm-hmm. So let's get into number eight. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's the one where um, I forgot the guy's name already because we we had so many humans in this one, uh, but he came the same way as Taylor. I know Taylor from the first movie. Sure. Um, going the same path, and he ended up going forward in time to the planet, and it it basically they were in a subway system. And what really turned me off in this movie was the advanced humans. I thought it was a... They were dumb. It was stupid. Uh, this... I, I I guess during that time, like, sci-fi, like, you had to be, like, a little more weird. I mean, not saying that, you know, apes talking and everything is not... It, it is weird to us. But... Uh, I, I just think it doesn't belong there. And it's it's kind of silly to say that when you have talking apes and everything, but them having telekinesis and uh, from the radiation, you're like, their, their faces are all fucked up and stuff. They have masks on. And what they were wearing, it was so B-rated movie sci-fi. What do you think about it? Uh, I mean... It- the ending of this movie is is so frustrating because they set up a lot of really good stuff in the first movie, and mm-hmm. this movie kind of like runs with some of it. I love the development of Doctor Zayas in this movie, who's like I think looking back my favorite character in any of the movies. I love Doctor Zayas; he's really interesting because mm-hmm. he's the and these movies play with this theme a lot, but he's the uh, personification, no pun intended, of he's doing the right thing but for all the wrong reasons like he gets proved right on a bunch of counts but every time it's he's only right because he's being an asshole mm-hmm. it's just he's he's really interesting he's an interesting character but they ruin they they ruin that whole thread they ruin anything that they could have done with and Charlton Heston wanted out of the movies so he said he wanted his character to die but that doesn't mean you have to kill every character he gets but 
He wanted out, so they killed Taylor, which sucks. Uh, Nova dies, which, you know, it's not like there was much of a character there anyway. It was a mute, hot woman. That's, you know, pretty lame writing, but still. Well, the thing is, like, I wanted to be with the apes more. I wish that the uh, Taylor and the other dude and Nova was more doing more storyline with the apes. But, you know, they were too busy trying to find where these uh, secret advanced humans that were hiding from apes for some strange reason. Because I guess they were trying to be peaceful in some way. What was the gorilla general's name, too? I liked him a lot, too. That's frustrating. That's why this movie is so low for me, is it takes so much interesting stuff and just does nothing with it and then just shits the bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... Did we both hate the bomb? Because I, I kind of, I I kind of liked it a little bit, but I also hated how it all of a sudden was like they they were praying to it, they were uh, somehow like they they uh, it's stupid ending. I hated the ending so much. Yeah, the only good thing that came out of them worshiping that stupid bomb was um, the reference to it in the Venture Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what did the Charlton Heston say before he fucking like blew up the bomb or something like that? Um, I don't remember. My friend does, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah, and I'm trying to think what else. What I liked about the movie, again, was the apes when they were trying to find the uh, cave or the entrance and stuff, and they were having like these hallucinations of apes being on a, on fire, and it was just nothing. Because Zayas was like, hey, um, yeah, this is all fake. <laughs> Let's go in there. And, like, all the gorillas were all scared and shit. I thought that was good. And I'm I'm trying to see what I liked about the subway. I mean, I liked the design a little bit, but you could tell that it was drawn. It was, like, art and stuff. Yeah. The set was, like, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick it too much because of that time. Um, the costumes were good, right? The 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 oh, yeah, definitely yeah. They still had a lot of the same uh, mask and makeup work as the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the costumes and all the apes are really cool. I mean, the humans don't really have costumes; they just kind of have vague coverings. But yeah, the tailor and the other guy having that little fight scene because they were you know mind controlled by the the advanced humans. I thought that fight scene was really fucking dumb. And I think they could have done a different way to escape jail in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why it's at number eight. I know we're... We kind of talked about it a little more than Tim Burton, but the Tim Burton film just didn't hit anything. At, more to talk about. Yeah, at least in Beneath, there was a little bit positive with the apes and some things and just... Most of it just sucked. <laughs> All right, let's go into number seven, since we both agree on this. Uh, Escape from Planet of the Apes. What did you like about that movie? So we get... I like that uh, those early movies, each time a new one rolled around, it would have a new angle, like a new moral and a framing device and... It's clear they didn't have as much money for this one, so they were like, oh, we'll just set it in the present, because that's what you did 
with uh, movies back then like this. Mm-hmm. But it kind of pays off because it puts the characters in a bunch of interesting situations. You have, um, um, I, I mean, that's. I hate to say that's it, but th- that's that's the best thing about it is it takes the two interesting characters, Cornelius and, and uh, 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 Zaya. No. <laughs> All these fucking names, I swear. Yeah, it's tough. We got nine mo- nine movies worth of of characters to remember now, but um, it it takes them and puts them out of out of place, and you know that's that's usually a pretty good story writing mechanism, and it pays off in this. And there's some really stupid humor that I just don't like about it, hence it being way down at number seven. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting. It's an interesting premise. the The twist at the end is like, oh, like it is kind of. It gets you a little bit. Um, Ricardo Montalban, he's he's great. Uh, I like to see Khan in anything. What I liked about that movie, again, was the the makeup of the apes. Uh, both Zira and Zira. and Cornelius. I just looked it up, by the way. I'm not being smart. <laughs> um, I did like that they time traveled to the present time uh i thought the acting was kind of cheesy with like the president but and the like the so-called villain uh like he yeah, was... the, the scientist who wants to destroy important stuff mm-hmm. i didn't care for the humor at all i mean certain parts were funny uh i forgot what she called the champagne the grape juice or something like that and she's like, oh, no, it was, like, Grape Juice Plus. That's what they called it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, and then um, I felt like they took too much time into showing that they were having fun on Earth. I, I thought that was the majority of the movie, and then it started picking up pretty much when, you know, the other scientist guy was like, oh, there's, a, you know, holes in your story. You're lying to us. And then, I would like to see more of them, like on the lamb, like hiding and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I again, I think the budget kind of showed that they had to do, you know, certain spots. Maybe, maybe they got that hotel for like, for like a day, and they just shot it up or something like that. And then they found that abandoned boat or or ship. I should say ship. It's not a boat. You put a right. boat on a ship. Um. But. I again what really kind of made me put this at number 7 is because it was majority of them being like oh look at you know this this champagne this uh this wine this this food these clothes and I'm like I get it you're you're trying to fit in to be human I get it I don't care it was an interesting premise that they couldn't quite stretch gracefully over 100 minutes mm mm-hmm. mhm and then the the only thing I kind of liked, well, the only thing I liked is uh, the last act was them running away and having that <laughs> that edit of the monkey saying "mama" like a thousand times. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Anything else before we move on to uh, our debate? No. Okay. So I want to see if we're on the same wavelength before we start 
or or we'll, I'll say my pick which should be number six, and then you say your pick in number six. Mm. Um, I put on my list conquest. Uh, I felt like it should be there because uh, what was conquest about anyway? Again, before oh, oh that's what the uh, movie number four is when he started. <laughs> When Caesar starts to uh, build up his army and stuff, um, I put it below because I know that your number six is battle, so I think that's what's going to be <laughs> the debate here. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to to debate battle versus conquest, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just I. I... I think Conquest is better than Battle in just about every way. I think the the sets in Battle look awful. I hate the Eight Village, and I really super hate the way that the bombed out city looks. The underground industrial stuff looks okay. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the costumes are still fine. They still have a few decent looking ape costumes. I feel like there's a bunch of them hidden in the background. The humans all look stupid. Their costumes are awful. Uh, they're they're like stupid little militia army. It's just like a jeep and like a bus and some stuff like that. And I realize it's the post-apocalypse, but they couldn't get anything better than that. I I hate to fault the movie because of its budget, but it really suffers because of its budget. Plus, I just think the story is a lot less interesting. It's just like the apes are trying to live, and then the humans come to fight them, and then the apes win. And... That is kind of the plot of one of the newer movies, which we'll get to later. But they do a lot more with it. They add layers to it. This movie doesn't have any layers. It's just Caesar wanted to hear what his parents sounded like, and then he did. Mm-hmm. And then there was a fight, and uh, then ape kills ape, and it just there's there's not enough going on. Conquest, on the other hand, conquest of the planet of the apes. Uh, it's more interesting because it's got that like slave master dynamic. Mm-hmm. There's there's a revolution in it. Um, they they it doesn't pay off with like a lot of the other apes because they can't speak yet. And there's that weird thing where Caesar can like look at them and it inspires them to civil disobedience and violence. That's weird, but I love the final scene in that movie where they like beat the guy to death and Caesar looks like real pissed off and he's got his arms across him and and. Uh, the end of battle is I can't remember. I think ape kills ape, and then they talk about it, and then it shows the lawgiver talking to both human and ape children. <laughs> and that's, that's another reason I hate uh, battle is it undoes a really cool ending for conquest. Because conquest had two endings. We talk about this in that episode, but in case you're listening to this, not that. There's a there's a the, the theatrical cut of conquest has a happier ending. Like the gorillas go to beat that guy to death. And um, the the black guy, what was his name? Uh, Clinton. Um, McDonald. There you go. McDonald. That's it. He says something to Caesar, and it kind of makes Caesar see compassion. Maybe human and ape can live together after all, which is kind of like what some viewers wanted. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the theatrical cut, and that makes more sense going into battle because that's where we go with battle. And at the end of battle, you see time has been changed because they're working together like men aren't unevolving so they can no longer speak and stuff like that so it's it's undoing the future that is the next two movies which is good 
or the first two movies, which is good because in the second movie, the entire planet and all life on it is destroyed. They don't want that to happen. So I get where they're going with what they do in battle, but the ending of Conquest is so much more interesting and thrilling and well um, written. The speech he gives is like actually kind of chilling, especially considering this is like a not low budget, mid budget, I guess, uh, 70s cult sci-fi action movie. I just... I don't know. I, I think Conquest is better than Battle in in most ways. You'll have to try to convince me why Battle is better than Conquest. I mean, you brought up really fucking good points. <laughs> um, what I'll say with Battle, what attracted me was the town or uh, community that Caesar built after what Conquest happened. Uh, I like that there were schools. Um, I like that there he was already having humans pretty much uh worked like they were still lower than them but he he had sympathy for them uh while the gorilla obviously didn't uh kind of being like the coba of uh the newer mo- new, newer movies that were happening because you know from conquest the humans were being dicks you know they were like beating them up just making them act like they're slaves so the uh gorilla in battle he was you know against humans being with their community um i will say the the bad thing that i hate and i think you don't like to see there was the like radiated humans that decided to you know have a war that's why it's called battle for planet of the apes uh, I did like that Caesar did the old uh, everybody's dead kind of thing, and then they all got up and fought. No. I thought that was a good turnaround. I I thought the battle scene was decent compared to Conquest, um, but I did like in Conquest that the, the ending, uh, there was like a standoff and then had that silent pretty much when you hear the gunfire. Yeah. I, I thought that had a better payoff than battle. Uh, I don't know. It's not. I mean, what happens at the end of Conquest? It is. You could call it a battle, but it's more like an insurrection. It's like all at night. Only one side is actually using firearms, with the exception of Caesar himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell it's at night so that they can kind of hide, um, you know, some of the costumes and some inconsistencies and stuff like that. And I admit the the costumes for the humans in that movie suck also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one point to you. But I just I still think when you when you when you take um superficial stuff like that out of the conversation, what's going on in Conquest is just more interesting. There's more at stake than just oh, some humans are pissed off and they're coming to fight. Yeah, I think the with conquest, I think what really turned me off was the cheesing cheesiness on how Caesar was controlling all these apes. Like he was looking into their souls, and they knew what to do. I hated how. I guess we were supposed to assume that he speaks ape, and that's how he was communicating. And then, uh, then from conquest. Well, then they kind of sh- they do exposition in battle where they they show the schools and that's how they learn how to talk. Yeah. How many years was from conquest to battle? Did they say? 
Oh, I remember Caesar has like grayer hair now. So that would have to be like what, ten to fifteen years, maybe, tops. It's it's a decade or more. I want to say. Hmm. What did you think of the world of Conquest? Did you like that Nazi feeling America? Somewhat. Yeah, I, I thought it was good, but it felt weird seeing it from you know seeing from Escape how. Um, you know how America would be today, uh, besides you know being the 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 seventies and stuff, and then automatically going into the future, and all of a sudden it's like Nazi Germany because you know people are paranoid that the world is going to end in like twenty uh, twenty three hundred or something like that, mm. and it's like what what was it like nineteen ninety nine? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. I don't really have a good defense. This is more of a personal thing. Um, I just like battle more. Uh, I I just didn't like the cheesiness of Caesar. Uh, I thought it was still cheesy how he quickly decided to hate humans because of his friend dying. But I guess he was also seeing other apes being treated badly. Uh... Yeah, I'm gonna go with you. <laughs> this is, okay. Yeah, we're we're gonna put. Would you put uh? Battle at number six. Yeah. Cool. Alrighty. So now we have number five. Your number five is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. My number five is Battle for Planet of the Apes. So so we have So we have So I want to hear your story on why Rise is at number 5. Rise is a great movie and honestly it's it's probably a better made, a better composed movie. Again, Conquest has a lot of themes that I found more interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Rise is um hard to articulate my thoughts on rise i guess um it's it's you know cruelty to animals is bad all these movies have that going on and uh the acting in it is solid um this is we're gonna we get to start talking about any circus again he's the best mm -hmm. um what did we honestly as far as number five goes if you if you put up much of a good argument at all i can put we can put conquest at five i think Okay. It, it it does boil back down to like you were saying, like a personal preference. I just like old sci-fi stuff. I love the the old apes movies for what they are. I love um, old Star Trek, THX. Uh, uh, I love uh, oh, my brain's drawing a blank, but all that stuff. The Quiet Earth. Um, so you you want to agree that Conquest will take number five because I. I personally think that the newer movies and the first uh, uh, Planet of the Apes, nineteen sixty-eight, deserve to be all the way up in the top of the list. Yeah, I just I, it it hurts me as a, a, a weirdo cinephile to be like, yeah, the newer ones are better, but man, the newer ones are better. <laughs> and this this it was it's my own argument coming back to bite me, but uh, the budget matters, man. Um, Battle and Conquest were both made on a budget of $1.7 million, and I don't care 
how much adjustment you do for inflation, that's not even going to touch the budget that they had for Rise and this other stuff. So, I mean, if we had, like, the novelization of each movie and we were talking about that, I could probably put up a better fight. But honestly, if someone said, look, I've got a copy of Conquest, I've got a copy of Rise, what do you think we should watch as a group? I'm going to say Rise. So, yeah, Conquest can probably slip in there at number five. All right, I agree. So let's put that, let's put the Conquest at number five. All right, number four. Okay, now... Just so we're all on the same page, all that we have left is the original Charlton Heston, 1968, uh, You Blew It All to Hell, It's a Madhouse, Get Your Hands Off Me, classic Planet of the Apes, and we have all three of the reboot, I guess, the new movies, mm-hmm. uh, Rise, Dawn, and War. So that's that's what we're, that's what's going to take spots one through four, it's just in what order. Okay, so we actually have pretty wildly different situations going on here. Yeah, so I think the debate right now is why uh, it would be 1968 Planet of the Apes versus the the trilogy reboot. What will? Looking at your ranking, looking at my rank, you would put the original Planet of the Apes here, which I have major problems with, (laughs) and I would put. Judging from what's left, uh, Rise, which, like I said, I had number at number five, but mm-hmm. I can be happy with at number four. But um, you flip-flopped on this, didn't you? Didn't you waffle on where you were going to put the original? Yeah, I had it at number one, and then I was going to have, like, uh, two be War, uh, three be Dawn, and then four be Rise. Um, but... What I'll say with Planet of the Apes 1968 with Charlton Heston is that it's a classic. It's written really well. Um, and that payoff at the end, it's written really well because of Rod Serling, uh, which is a a sin for me because I cherish Rod Serling and I just shat on him by putting him at number four. Um, He's not the only... He didn't write the screenplay by himself. He mm-hmm. had input on it, but there were like, um, I think four or five different ladles in this script stew. I'm pretty sure. It, you could tell certain areas was Rod Serling. Obviously, it's based on a novel, so someone wrote that. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise and some of the screenwriting was someone else. Uh, Rod came in and helped turning it into a screenplay, and I don't know how much he actually like typed it. But there was someone else who actually turned it into the working screenplay. But still, he was he was involved heavily, and there is for there is a comic book that more directly follows uh, Rod Serling's vision for this movie, which is apparently very interesting because it's got ape society basically looking like modern human society. It's very strange, but his ideas did not make it into this movie in whole. So it's not like you're sliding him specifically, but it is like you're sliding sci-fi classic. Which spawned all of these movies. It's like I don't know. I, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a dumb argument to be like, oh, without this movie, the other ones wouldn't exist. It should be at number one. Because mm-hmm. you know that's kind of unfair. It kind of takes out all the other elements of talking about it. But um, I think it's pretty much it. It's gonna sound really fucking dumb, but. How they write it in the newer movies, like how, you know, they lost their voices, it was like a virus and stuff. How, um, 
how the apes slowly started learning how to talk because the virus that was in them um, mutated them. Well, like he had Caesar and then he had the bad ape like that could talk and everything. And some of them are slowly learn, getting smarter and smarter uh, to comprehend. And uh, I just like how they did those things to explain what was going on while in the first... I mean, I... I agree with you both in ranking and just in conversation that the the origin of of how the world became a planet of the apes is handled way better in the new movie. But uh, the original Planet of the Apes doesn't deal with that at all. In fact, that's part of its charm. In I mean, we can compare it to a Twilight Zone episode. In fact, it's it doesn't bother with that. It's just. We were going into space to look for other planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kooky time shit happened. Oh, we crash landed. Oh my gosh, we're on this this crazy backwards planet where where ape rules man. Uh, it's so it's so weird and interesting. And if you look at this movie in a vacuum versus looking at Rise in a vacuum, I still think it's a better movie. I think it's a more interesting plot. Um, you could I could go either way on the acting. Obviously, there's like hundreds of cg artists all working on rise that are going to give it a little bit of an edge there but for what it is and again looking at the movie in a vacuum looking at it in 1968 the costumes in planet of the apes are like groundbreaking it, that's that's amazing it it did for costume work and parts of sci-fi what like star wars did for practical special effects in 1977 it's this movie's groundbreaking um it's a crime that i myself don't have it at number one Really, I think it's better than Rise, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some cheesy scenes in there that kind of—that's just my personal preference. Uh, I do love the laugh, though. I think the laugh is—you can't. I mean, you're 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 saying you're you're kind of judging it on its sequels, and that's not fair. You got to look at the movie by itself. There mm-hmm. were never any sequels to Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I mean. Treating it like maybe like it's a Twilight Zone episode where they land on the planet and then, you know, the twist is that the apes are here. One uh, of the most famous twists of all time. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's like that and like Luke, I'm your father and Rosebud. I mean, they're they're all pretty synonymous with movie twists. All right. I'm going to. I'm not going to put it at number two like you. Uh, I will agree that Rise can go at number four. But what do you think about that? Yeah. Okay. That's what I want. Okay, so Rise will be at number four. Because uh, quickly with Rise, I James Franco did okay. I just didn't care enough for his character. And I don't, I don't know, maybe just because they maybe couldn't get him for, you know, two or three, uh, or, or Dawn or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they kind of build up his character like he's going to be in there for the long haul. And then it just it falls flat and he's like, oh, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> but they do go back to it later on when they go to the house and stuff. Yeah, I mean, his photos are there. They don't, like, ignore it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, Rise, I also um, liked how he became an alpha alpha ape <laughs> and taught everything and how they escaped and then the bridge scene was really fucking cool uh yeah it really was mm-hmm. 
Um, it's just, as, as good as that bridge scene looks, I just don't think it can it can even come close to being as great as as uh, the the final scene in the original Planet of the Apes, for instance. Yeah, I think I think we're doing the right thing. But anyway, now the the last three for spots one through three is actually going to be quite a bit more difficult, I think, because we have wildly different. We don't even agree which is better between uh, War and Dawn. So the War and Dawn debate. Hmm. Because we we did this a little bit already when we covered. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, which I thought was really good, but I thought wasn't as good as Dawn. I thought, I, and for all the reasons I said, I don't want to go back over that again. But really, I think Dawn is the finest of all the, all the movies. As far as again, if you had like a novelization of each one, I think it would be the most interesting. I think it's the coolest story. Um, I even think the effects in it are a little bit better than War. War is more focused in what the story is. And again, War really drops the ball on a lot of, like, Caesar becoming a great leader and learning to be like Koba and stuff like that. It just indulges itself in that, no, he's going to go back to kill him. Yeah, that's, that's that's stupid. I don't I don't want that. I want Caesar to grow as a leader. That's more interesting. He needs to have more of an arc. He needs to lead his people and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know if we need to debate War versus Dawn or if we need to debate both of them versus Planet of the Apes because if we follow what you've got going on, Planet of the Apes is going to fall at number three. But if we follow what I've got going on, it should make it to number two. Mm-hmm. So I guess they might have to work together against Planet of the Apes 1968 before they... Before they work on each other. Um, again, to go, and it's kind of hard because it's this is where it stems off. Like, if Planet of the Apes never happened or never got popular, then we would never have these reboots. Again, it's a lame excuse, like you said. Um, I just like the world. In, in the newer movies more than the older movies. Not because they're old and their sets are, you know, cheap as hell. I just... How the exposition, how they explain everything... Uh, God, I'm, I'm walking... That's part of the problem is because that's what I like about the original is it doesn't explain anything. They're just on a crazy mixed-up world where April's man, and that's that's the plot, is they've crash-landed on this mysterious alien planet, we think, mm-hmm. and they've got to survive, and it turns out to just be Charlton Heston trying to survive, and he meets sympathetic characters, and they're played really well, and have their own interesting story, and also arc. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, I I feel like there's there's still more going on in places um i don't know it, this it's getting to be more and more of a toss-up what i prefer between this and the, the two of the better um newer movies the remakes because mm-hmm. what it's, you... just, it's just like you you like all the exposition and stuff but if a movie is really good it doesn't need a lot of exposition like if a movie is just exposition that's a boring movie that's a documentary mm-hmm. and 
in the humans, I mean, Woody Harrelson was okay. It just felt weird seeing him be a bad guy in War, even though that's my favorite one. Uh, I The reason why I like War is because I feel like Andy Serkis and Caesar was going through adversity in his story where, you know, his wife and uh, son get killed. And now he's more not thinking like a leader, but thinking like an angry, um, you know, husband and, and, uh, he goes through a lot of adversity in, um, in Dawn as well, though. In, in Dawn, he, he gets shot. He gets usurped. Mm-hmm. He has to, yeah, he, I mean, there's lots of big fights. He's dealing with, you know, what are we going to do about the humans? There's more like, he's, he, he gets to be a leader more in Dawn because there's like, negotiation and he there's a show of force he goes down there and says don't you come back we'll kill all of you here's your here's the bag that you left jackasses but Um, but he still thought like a leader in war he was more of i don't give a shit you uh, you you could be a leader if you want he's talking to maurice and uh you know you could lead them i need to go finish this with and you know i felt for caesar uh but at the same time i'm like you're not they all look up to you if you uh abandon them they don't know what to do and eventually when you see what happens uh when Caesar's not around they all get captured by Woody Harrelson and his his little his little Nazi group uh, and he doesn't learn from that mhm so this is really tough to debate with you you're really good at this <laughs> I'm very opinionated when it comes to movies. And yeah. I, I tried to be well-watched. Is that a phrase? People say well-read. Um, I we, we keep slipping back into debating... Uh, Dawn, Dawn versus, versus war. war. Yeah. What we need to do is decide whether Planet of the Apes is going at number three or number two. Because, honestly, if it, if it was even at number one, I'd be satisfied, but I don't think anyone's going to die on that hill. So, <laughs> I think... I'm gonna give you leeway. Um, where do you want to put Planet of the Apes, nineteen sixty-eight? Because I think it's coming down to, um, let's just say, like in a Royal Rumble sense. Even though we're we're eliminating Planet of the Apes, but where would you place him so that Dawn and War could have their battle? I mean, on my list, I've got it at number two, but. If we fight over war and dawn, and for some reason you come out ahead, I really don't think uh, Planet of the Apes would be over dawn, and war would be at number one. It's it's still it's still kind of a weird three way fight for me. I'd put it at number two. That's just what I'm saying. That, or we could put it at number one, which you know it kind of deserves for starting the whole franchise. It's really good. It's a, cult, a cultural touchstone. And then we can just debate Dawn and War for two and three because that would be cleaner, a cleaner fight. All right, let's do this. Temporarily, in the Royal Rumble sense, this is wrestling people, um, we we throw uh, Planet of the Apes into number one. He goes through the ropes, not over the ropes. So he's gonna <laughs> he, he's gonna he, he's gonna stay out there, take a nap while we debate Dawn and War. Okay, that that makes sense. We gotta we gotta suss this out first because I think this is this is the still the the one part that we have most disagreed on. Mm-hmm. 
I just uh, again, um, War is great. War is a really good movie. It just I, I think it's more interesting to see a good story about a good leader overcoming this huge socio-political issue it's not really um overcoming what he overcomes in that movie than this um homicidal ape who just wants to kill woody harrelson because he shot his family not even really intentionally like obviously woody harrelson is out of his mind <coughs> excuse me in that movie and he deserves to be dealt with but and then at the end of the movie there's a stupid deus ex machina where the avalanche kills all the other <laughs> and and the, the the guy who like they set up to be a character and then he has no lines through the rest of the movie and then he just kills caesar with a crossbow and then gets blown up by red donkey that's that uh, uh, pisses me off just thinking about it and talking about it yeah i will give you that and i guess don I mean, there's no frustration like that in Dawn. Dawn is nice and clean. All the characters get what they deserve. You want to see Koba defeated. Koba's defeated. And it's not necessarily in an ape kills ape kind of way. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it, it's, it comes about due to Caesar fighting him, but Caesar doesn't directly, he doesn't like put a pistol to Koba's head and pull the trigger. Nothing like that happens. Koba falls to his death. Super satisfying and interesting. Uh, Gary Oldman's in that movie. His acting is outstanding. The main guy, who I can't even remember the name of because he's not in anything else, does a real good job. Um, oh, the John Connor from... It's interesting to see his son interact with Maurice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice has a lot of really good interactions with Nova in War, I will grant you. But it's more of a one-sided thing because she can't speak or do anything. She's more. It's more like he's developing a relationship with a puppy than it is... A, you know, a living, breathing, talking, thinking, reasoning human teenager. Well, I just... And... While he's I, being... I, mean, I just I just hit you with, like, five bullet points. I guess you can double back and, and choose one of the other ones to debate if you want. But Well, the whole Nova thing, like... He was becoming Koba with, with the adversity, uh, again, of you know, the reason why I was being nice to humans and all that stuff is the reason why uh, this is all happening. Like, he forgets that, you know, Koba is the reason why this war is happening. But I, And when, you know, Woody Harrelson character kills his wife and son, he pretty much becomes Koba, where he has a, a distaste for humans. And when he was like looking at the the kid, it's like he didn't care for her. And then he started caring for her. I did like the relationship, even though she didn't talk or anything. Um, when she was giving the seeds and the water, she didn't need to talk. And the whole, uh, I forgot what fucking gesture they did where, you know, apes stay together or something like that. They all put their hands together. And put it over their head. Mm. I felt like that was a moment that she, she, technically she's part of the ape community. So that would have been a lot more satisfying if Caesar had gone on. To, I mean, he does free them, mm-hmm. but it's more what Bad Ape and Maurice and Nova are doing. He he's involved, but 
they're the ones who get underneath the facility and figure out like where to dig and they discover like the flood and stop that and it's it you know he's involved but it's it's them doing it mhm um i did like the scenery like i I thought the the camera shots in this movie compared to Dawn uh, were better because of the environment, and obviously I thought the snow was cool, at least. Yeah, it was a little nicer to look at. Um, uh, Dawn suffered from what a lot of movies from that time suffered from, and that's that everything had to be pretty, and it is post-apocalyptic setting, so of course mm-hmm. it will be dark and gritty, and it has a lot of grays, but there's a lot of greens in there, too, like when they're in the forest. It's always like fairly overcast, but I don't know. I'll give you that one just barely because even even in war, it's just all white. It's just snow all the time. They they didn't mix it up enough with uh, with with any other varied environments. It was just winter, and that's cool. It was interesting, but it it, it gets a lot out of a season instead of proper mm. set dressing and stuff. I mean, at least we can agree it looked better than uh, battle. <laughs> yeah i mean i'll give you with dawn the battle uh in that movie c- compared to war <laughs> there was only like a battle scene in the beginning of the movie and then there was like a small battle scene between t- two human factions and stuff that didn't really have to do anything with the apes the apes were more of trying to escape that right there's no emotional impact in that fight we barely care who wins like of course want to see the Alpha Omega Woody Harrelson faction defeated because they're obviously out of their minds, but ultimately, does it even matter? I mean, this virus is probably going to wipe them out anyway. Uh, the world has crumbled. Does it matter? We want to see the apes succeed, and they're doing that. The battle could have been not going on at all, and they still could have succeeded. The battle doesn't have any emotional punch. The battle at the end of Dawn, on the other hand, both of them, like when the apes are full-heartedly attacking the humans, and it kind of looks like they're going to get beat back, but it starts, I mean, like, Koba's, like, riding that horse with, like, the double machine guns and stuff, and yeah, you can't tell me that part's not that cool and more emotionally packed. It's a more interesting fight. It's more, there's more at stake than there is in the, the fight at the end of War, which is really only there to show off how good the CG is, which it is. It's wonderful, but uh, the, the fight... And again, fights, because then Caesar has to come back and fight him at the top of the, the tower. The mm-hmm. fights at the end of Dawn are just more interesting. I care about what's going on, as do all viewers. But what's going on at the end of war is kind of inconsequential to our heroes. Yeah, the only thing I hated about uh, Dawn, I think, was the... Uh, well, not hate. Hate is a strong word. But I dislike the the scene <laughs> with uh, when he grabs the weapon and he like puts him in a standoff so that Caesar could have a little more time. I thought that was pretty lame. But the whole the rest of them, oh my god, I I'm really bad at this. I can't debate it because I think it's more of I had fun watching War than Dawn. But then when I go into details on why, it's more of a personal than, you know, a debate. Like, I can't go to a group of people and be like, hey, I liked it because I just thought it looked good and I thought that Caesar went through adversity and stuff. But Well, 
I mean, that's what we got to do on the podcast, but there's a lot to be said for that. Like, a movie can be fun, but bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fun watching Zardoz, even though it's like a huge piece of shit and it's confusing and I still don't understand what happens to that goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how fun a movie is is really important. Like, I have a lot of fun watching. Like, if you if you cut out just the Battle of Helm's Deep from the Two Towers, I know it's a weird pull, but that's what came to mind. If you cut just that out, someone had never read the books or seen any of the other movies, they would have fun watching it because it's like a crazy interesting fight. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on, and it just looks impressive, and you have no idea why it matters to the characters or even which characters you're rooting for. I mean, you're probably rooting for the ones that aren't horrible monsters, I guess. But So there's a lot to be said for a movie being fun, independent of character motivations, and War definitely has that going on. Um, I still think Dawn is the better movie, and I think that's what we're trying to find here. Um, I... I guess we could look at critical reviews or how much money they made mm-hmm. to try to find a break on that. But what I propose is War or not War. Dawn is the best of them. I still want Dawn to be number 1, but I say you put put War at number 2 because like wider appeal is kind of more important than like a cinephile appeal like oh this movie is important because blank blah 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 like people talk about how citizen kane is like one of the best movies ever made but you could argue very very convincingly that a movie like michael bay's transformers has done more to shape modern movies than citizen kane has Mm -hmm. and again there would be an argument because citizen kane invented all kinds of stuff both with storytelling and practical applications with a camera but if you went down to your local movie theater right now and looked at every movie poster in there and even got to see all this, you would still be pulling more from, like, this movie's fun. Because a lot of movies now are just movie by committee. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy and a bunch of other people get in a room and discuss what the next Star Wars is going to be. It's not one rogue filmmaker for, uh, that was, like, a, a semi-rich white guy made a movie about um, – uh, American teenagers in the 50s and then a sci-fi movie and then wrote a space opera based off of old um, adventure serials. That, 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 that's not happening anymore. So I'll give you uh, – we can put Planet of the Apes 1968 at number three, but I still think War is better than – or not War. I still think Dawn is better than War. All right. I'll, I'll give you that, um, but I do want to bring this up. Because I'm not the only one, and I'm not stupid. <laughs> I swear. Uh, on IMDb, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, the Metascore is at 82, and Dawn is at 79. That's interesting. Um, that, that's a that's a bigger disparage the disparity than I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also looking at the budget where it did have it, and then I lost it. Oh, but I've got you on this one. According to Wikipedia, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes at the box office made four hundred and ninety point seven million, but Dawn blew it away with seven hundred and ten point six million. So right. it made a lot more money. Depend, you know, no matter how you look at uh, what schlubs on the internet thought. All right, I'll give you that. So let's let's go with that because I. What do we have? Yeah, put Planet 1968, Planet of the Apes at number three. War at number two, and then Dawn. 
And then Google, then Google Docs like to do that indent bullshit. <laughs> Get out of here, Google. Piece of shit. God damn it. Like, what? Ah, God damn it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting with the formatting in our show document here. That's that's what you're hearing right now. All right. So here's a list, everybody. And I'm going to start at number nine again. At number nine, we have the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Uh, boo. Nobody cares for that. Pretty much the whole internet world think that too yeah i don't you're gonna find there's every movie is someone's favorite movie but i think some of that comes down to uh nostalgia like oh i got my first hand job at that movie i love that movie or something like that you know it's like an unfair stupid reason to like it but i mean objectively speaking that's the worst one Mm mm-hmm and number eight we have beneath the planet of the apes i think me and uh, andy just didn't like how the end happened and ju- the stupid fucking advanced humans is what really kills it. Great example of a movie just completely dropping the ball at the, the two yard line. It's just, it should have been great. And it was just, Oh, really? And this was, and this was following up the, you know, the masterpiece of 1968. So it was a, definitely a downgrade and I'm surprised that they kept on going with the movies. Maybe they signed a contract where they was like, you're going to do, you know, five movies. <laughs> I think it still made money. Hang on, I can check that real quick. I've got that brought up. I'm curious. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm slowing down. You. No. Down here, but... We still got to talk about the next series we're going to be doing. Beneath the Planet of the Apes cost $4.7 million to make, and it made 19 so... <laughs> I think that's more of like, oh man, 1968 Planet of the Apes was good. But that was 1970. Yeah. Still pretty close. People will probably hype. Because you, you got to think of it like this. Uh, w- and I know we're using different examples, but uh, The Force Awakens. Like, when that came out, everybody was like, holy shit, you know, Star Wars. And, like, everybody was hype on that Star Wars. And then The Last Jedi came out. And I know me and him are different <laughs> opinions on that movie, too. But yeah, And I don't love it, but I have I have unpopular opinions on that movie. Yeah. That's a whole other episode that we already recorded. You can go download now at podbean.com. Yep. NOVnetwork.podbean.com. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, after Beneath, uh, number seven is. Escape from Escape. the. Pl- yeah. Uh, the goofiness was just too much. Uh, yeah, a lot of places. Honestly, if this movie was made independent of the Planet of the Apes um, branding, mm-hmm. if it was the exact same plot, but it was about like uh, super advanced otter people from the future coming back, I don't know if it would have had a leg to stand on. Um, it was interesting. Uh, Roddy McDowell as Cornelius is always great, and um, the actress that played Zira, she's great too. You know what it felt Everything like? Else in the movie kind of was okay. You know what it really felt like? That movie, that movie should have been... Um, and I know you're not going to agree because you're not a big TV person, but I think it would have worked better as a TV series. Possibly. To, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I can get behind that. Yeah, so that's what it felt like to me, and I just didn't I didn't dig it for like the hour and a half that they put in that movie. Mm. Number six, we have Battle, and that is, uh, you know, the little community and the humans are attacking them. and The fifth and the final movie of the original... Uh, quintilogy? I don't know if that's the right word, but um, it's the one where the budget starts showing the most. After this, they would go to television. 
and there were a couple series of comic books that each kind of petered out but battle was still a uh, box office success using air quotes it made a profit but it wasn't enough and i just i really think it was a shame the battle uh, the the premise wore thin enough that they couldn't do anything new with it and it just i don't know they, like you you like battle more than conquest i know so i don't want to rag on it too hard but. Mm-hmm. and i do agree that conquest had a, a better ending battle was kind of stupid when you saw the uh the statue cry of blood. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I kinda agreed to put it at number six. Uh number five we had Conquest for Planet. Conquest. And again, uh an asterisk here. Um in my opinion, the only version to watch is that the extended the uh oh it has an actual name, but like the director's cut. Mm-hmm. I, I think the ending is way better. Battle is more in line with the theatrical cut, I will admit, but I just think it's a better movie, so I think that's important to mention. Yep. And this is where we start getting a little dicey because uh, we had the difference with the the new, with the old. Uh, at number four, we put Rise. Uh, we kind of mutually agreed. We kind of <laughs> we mutually agreed on all this list, but <laughs> um, number four. It was a good start for the reboot for the trilogy. Uh, I just really like how Caesar became Caesar and led these apes across the bridge. Like it, it was still finding, like it was really good, but it was still finding its footing. I just used that metaphor, didn't I? It, it was still kind of finding its place in the world. How hmm. they were gonna do these reboots. Uh, Andy Circus does a lot of acting, like with his face and his body, but he's not getting. To be commanding and and you know stand stand upright, chest out, and and be angry or be compassionate or or be worried or anything like that. He's not doing that stuff yet. There's still he's still like got that primal side to it, and that's interesting too. But I think the movies get a lot better when Andy Serkis gets to act more, and I think they get better with um, War and Dawn are both directed by the same guys. So maybe that's a factor too. Mm-hmm. At number three, we have Planet of the Apes, nineteen sixty-eight. What you know started off. It was kind of the big bang of Planet of the Apes, where it launched into this popularity. Um, I mean, every you don't have to have seen that movie to understand its impact on the the American sci-fi cultural zeitgeist. Not even just sci-fi. Like you can't watch The Simpsons without seeing a reference to the show several times. You can't watch. Most TV shows, I'd argue, I mean, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape, or get your paws off me, whatever it is. Um, it's a madhouse. They blew it up. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. I mean, this movie contributed so much. Just the image of a destroyed um, Statue of Liberty is just so iconic. And I really, obviously, a statue being destroyed isn't unique to this one movie. But I would argue that that same iconography has been used in a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. And you can really look at, oh, look how effective that was in Planet of the Apes. We'll do that. And and I really like the Rod Serling touches to it. You could definitely tell it had that uh, Twilight Zone feel to it. But also, it, it, it came on its own. And I, I, I really dig it. And I, I appreciate it. It's the new hope of Star Wars. 
a pretty it's the new hope like in star wars with planet of the apes 1968 is what i think uh number two is war is it war four or war of it's war four war yeah war four the planet of the apes uh i had it number it's possibly the final entry yeah, the quotation marks. Uh, we'll see what. Again, Disney owns this franchise now. As of a few months ago, it is officially on paper. We don't know what they'll do with it. They're probably too busy worried about MCU uh, and Star Wars. Exactly. They they bought Marvel. They got to do that. They bought uh, Lucasfilm. They got to make Star Wars and Indiana Jones. They they're worried about all their own movies. They got to make live action versions of everything they've ever made. Uh, they own Avatar now. They got to really that already have billions of dollars sunk into them. So it might be a while before we see another one. So this is the most recent. And honestly, if if there was never another one, this would be a really good one for them to have gone out on. Mm-hmm. And we already talked about war, but war, uh, I just like the scenery. I like the, the virus, how it affects humans being mute. I did, did they explain that it goes beyond mute or just... He thought, like, them having the virus and not talking was wrong, and he just wanted to kill them off, pretty much. I think he was trying to prevent the spread, I guess. The Uh, spread of being mute. Well, it was also, like, making them, like, feral, he said. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was it was destroying the part of their brain that that did speech and other stuff. And again, that's set up really well in Rise because it's based off of a purported cure for Alzheimer's that goes wild and and does all this other stuff instead. Mm-hmm. It makes apes smarter, but humans dumber. And pretty much become an animal like an ape. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it does in fact set up. And again, we talked about this before, so I don't want to retread old ground too hard but man i really like to see disney pick up the the ball where the series left off and do that series about the astronauts lost in space and go to the future of the reboots that'd be fantastic Mm -hmm. and then at number one we all agreed or me and you agreed uh that dawn should be number one we all agreed everyone agrees with that yes me myself and i and then no, you... but I, I, Don's the, Don's the best one. Honestly, if you were gonna watch just one, it would be a shame to watch Don without the context of both uh, the original and Rise. But man, it's so interesting and so exciting, and it's exciting from both like a, oh, I'm trying to be a smart guy. I'm gonna talk about Caesar being a good leader, blah blah blah, kind of way. And it's just there's so many fun. I mean, Koba having two machine guns on the back of the horse. Come on, that's cool. Well, put that in a gif and I'll watch that. It could kind of stand on its own a little bit because the only thing that they go back on on Rise is, you know, to the house. And, you know, James Franco house. Yeah. 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 Um, I Honestly, everything that you would need to know, they established um, not in an obnoxious way. Mm-hmm. Because I think the normal or, or casual watcher would be like, that that ape over there is the main ape, you know, the alpha ape, and then Koba is like doing a coup, and he's the bad ape, and then you have the humans. What again, you know, going back on Dawn, I really like what he did with the humans in Dawn. They weren't asshole humans; they were just scared and doing self defense uh, because Koba was being a dick. Uh, mm. Other than that. 
I, I like what they... <laughs> I know I'm debating again, but I kind of like what they did with the new uh, series, is that in Rise, they were kind of assholes to the apes, but uh, 2 and 3, they, they kind of had compassion a little bit, the compassion with Nova and uh, uh, Caesar, and then this one... Uh, and Dawn Caesar was being compassionate to uh, the guy and the son and the wife, but there was just like that one asshole uh, guy that hated apes. But yeah, that's our list, everybody. We kind of we uh, did you have fun, Andy? Yeah, I uh, honestly, when you pitched the series, I was just kind of like, ugh, all right, I guess we'll do this. But now it's like one of my favorite series of all time. So mm-hmm. I have to. I have to agree, like, I chose it because I never watched most of it. Like, the only one I watched was the bad one, <laughs> Tim Burton, because it was on HBO and I on uh, repeat, and I just kept on watching it. Um, but I really dig this whole series. They have their hits and miss, but I really liked uh, the newer reboot, uh, and then I liked the 1968 one. Uh but uh, do you want to reveal our next series that we're going to be watching? We agreed that we were going to split it into two chunks, right? We're going to do the first half right now, mm-hmm. and then we're going to do the second half down the road. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, kind of in, in – uh, this is a really good segue from this series because this is classic sci-fi, but it doesn't get much more classic sci-fi than what we want to do next. We're going to do uh, movies one through six. That's the original cast of Star Trek, so – Star Trek: The Motion, Pic- Motion Picture, Rathacon, um, was it Voyage Home is four? What's the name of the third one? Search for Spock, something like that. I'll look it up real quick. Whatever. <laughs> uh, then the Voyage Home, and then the bad one where they go look for God, and then the Undiscovered Country. Star Trek movies in order. Uh, what we got the Star Trek: The Motion Picture, Star Trek Two: The Rathacon. Uh, Star Trek Three: The Search of Spock, Fourth Spock, uh, then the goddamn it, Google, the Voyage Home, and then the Final Frontier. That's what it's called. Final yeah, Frontier. that's one, two, three, four, five, and then and then the Undiscovered Country. Yep. Parts of the original cast are in uh, Generations. But I, that's really more of a next generation movie. So what we, what we plan to do, as long as we stick with this, is uh, we're going to do the first six Star Trek movies right now. Mm-hmm. Well, well, right now, starting next week, we will have watched Star Trek The Motion Picture. And then we're going to move on to another series, do some other stuff. Maybe we'll look at, I don't know, Indiana Jones or um, the, the Fifty Shades of Grey series. I don't know. We'll do some other stuff. And then one day down the road, we're going to return, and we're either going to do four generation movies and then the three remakes, or, well, remakes, they are technically in the same universe, the three new ones separately, or maybe we will do them all in a burst of seven, and then we, in the wrap-up for that, we will incorporate them into our original well, I think for six. I think by the time we get to the newer ones, the newest one is going to come out. There's, a, there's one called Star Trek fourteen that is being made. Uh, I think I don't. I feel like it's in pre-production, but it keeps getting hung up. They don't seem to be able to agree on 
premise and cast and stuff like that. Because now Discovery's out and it's doing its own thing, so they might just do a completely different movie. Man, I really wish this is not the time to discuss this, obviously, but I really wish there were movies about Deep Space Nine or Voyager or something else to jazz it up a little bit. But whatever. We'll mm. take what we got. And honestly, what we've got is um, some of the best sci-fi movies ever made. I mean, I can't wait to watch Wrath of Khan again. And honestly, I've really been looking forward to watching the motion picture again. I haven't seen it since college. And mm. at the time, I liked it, didn't love it. But I really think I'm going to come around on it this time, I hope. I only watched Wrath of Khan, so this is going to be fun. I watched the um, Next Generation movies. That's because I was a big uh, TNG fan. So, everybody, get ready. Uh, we're actually going to have uh, two things that are going to be going on. We're going to be seeing the God- Godzilla movie. Godzilla, King of Monsters. Yep. So, uh, do we want to unveil... What name did you come up with for the uh, the movie theater uh, reviews? Oh, our now playing series. I mean... Like I was, I was, uh, I was just joking because we'll never, we'll never be able to have the time and money, and dedication. Uh, you know what? I have the dedication now, but we'll never have the time and money to spin this off into a whole other podcast or so, you know, a whole other show. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it in video format or something, but um, to keep in line with Big Trouble and Little Podcast, Escape from SideQuest. I wanted to call it Assault on Theater Thirteen. You know, to go with the Carpenter theme. Yeah, that would have been funny. But uh, the, the, the now playing. Uh, we have Godzilla, King of Monsters. Uh, so remember, if you're going to be seeing that movie, uh, if you don't see that movie and you decide to listen to our podcast, well, you're going to spoil the whole fucking movie for you. Yeah. And then next week, we're also going to have Star Trek The Motion Picture, 1979. And uh, if you're into video games and you've been missing Escape from SideQuest, E3 is coming up, so you know we got to do something about that. Yep, uh, we're going to be getting back into the video game uh, thing. I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to be doing in Escape from Cyclist. I We talked about new format. Uh, it's just the games that we want to play uh, and talk at the same time. I, I want to have a podcast that uh, will make sense. I don't want it to be like we're playing and just bullshitting. Because then that's just a stream, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I kind of want to have, like, a discussion. Maybe we'll have, like, stuff to talk about within the game. Maybe, you know, the person that's not playing the game will ask questions and stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of something. Uh, to catch all our episodes, we are on Podbean. If you go to novnetwork.podbean.com. We have Big Trouble Little Podcast, we have our Escape from Side Quest, and we also have the Nemesis Project, which just came out with uh, the second part of the Rebirth episode for Resident Evil Zero. Oh, I'm behind, I need to listen to that. Yep, we have it audio on there, and then if you go on YouTube and type the Nemesis Project, we're on there too. Um, we're also on iTunes and Spotify. If you search Nerd Review Network, we're there. And still working on nerdreview.com. Uh, uh, it's slowly being built because I just have work and the nap really killed me this week <laughs> where I was just napping too much because work has been working me too much. What are you, a senior citizen? I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old, man. I turned 31 less than a month. <laughs> 
It's almost my birthday. Uh, but yeah, Andy, you working on any projects lately? I'm, uh, oh, I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm turning one of my scripts into an article that I'm just going to give you for uh, a review, but also some other stuff. Um, any movie related stuff? I can't remember. I'm doing some movie stuff. Cool. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I don't know if if you if uh, if if someone can have a peek inside my like Google Docs thing, they would see so many uncompleted like scripts and projects and ideas. But that's neither here nor there. So I don't know. Keep an eye out. Sometimes you just gotta pull the trigger and do it. You gotta yeah. Nike it. Hey, same thing, man. I'm working all the time, and I'm also watching. What was that? Like seven movies. <laughs> Nine. No, I mean, uh, th just this week. I oh, yeah, true. <laughs> stop watching movies. <laughs> yeah, just stop watching movies. Freaking waste of time. <laughs> yeah, guys, um, my project is pretty much producing all these podcasts and uh, the Nerd Review uh, website. And th there's other things. Oh, I can announce this now. Um me and Zach are also going to be doing a monthly wrestling podcast uh, called Getting Some Color, meaning color commentary uh, in wrestling. Uh, we're going to be reviewing old school pay-per-views, and we're also going to be doing some recaps of AEW, WWE, and I'm actually coming up with some funny segments Uh there's been stories about Vince McMahon doing stupid shit. Like, he, he didn't know that burritos existed. And he didn't know that Asian porn existed. Uh, to kind of do a quick story, there was a Asian female wrestler called Gail Kim. JR uh, said, hey, Gail Kim is pretty good and she's very attractive. And uh, Vince McMahon does not like Asians for some strange reason in wrestling. He doesn't like people who are... All kinds of things. He's out of his mind. Yeah. So, uh, JR kind of introduced him to uh, Asian porn. And, <laughs> and he's like, wow, they're hot. And apparently that's a true story. Uh, and one of the segments I'm probably going to be doing is... Uh, was this a Vince McMahon promo idea? Like, did Vince McMahon come up, come up with this stupid promo that, you know, like, a Dean Ambrose or a Roman Reigns had to do on Raw or SmackDown? So, uh, when is this going to be airing? Uh, me and Zach decided that it will end at the, at the end of every uh, month on a Tuesday because we record on Tuesdays for uh, Resident Evil. Uh, we're going to be going live with the podcast so keep an eye on that getting some color a wrestling podcast monthly on that note everybody i think we'll uh bid adieu uh everybody have a good night and i'm trying to do the the kenny omega sign off and i totally butchered it but have a good day guys <laughs> later thanks for listening go watch star trek yep later <laughs>